Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm in my hermetically sealed bubble. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Bananas Gorilla is up to no good. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I'm in hell. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. We're all stuck home waiting for spring, right? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about how it takes a village, but we're doing it alone. The village has cast us out and we are alone in our hut and we are not happy. I've done some research for this. We can go down the research rabbit hole about like what the village means and when it started and why it went away and why it's particularly bad right now and what we can do about it. I'm hoping to make us all feel better about how lonely this is by the end of the episode. I mean, you're only going to make us feel better by telling us that we're right about how much it stinks, though, right? Like you're not going to actually make us feel better. Yes. Okay. I just want to manage expectations for our listeners. I got this idea after reading an article by Jessica Gross for the New York Times parenting page, and it was called Parenting Was Never Meant to Be This Isolating. And this is a quote that will make you feel better, I think. Throughout basically all of human history, she says, parents have never, ever raised children in isolated nuclear units the way we have been doing for much of 2020 with little to no hands-on family or community support. So this is as hard as you think it is, basically. Same, Jessica. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same, Zeus. And I think we're feeling this more keenly as the holidays approach, right? And the cousin time and the grandparent time is either not happening this year or happening a lot less this year or happening differently this year. And that break that we were all looking forward to is has been pushed off just a little bit longer. And this is a kind of thing, and I think I've made this parallel, but I think it's worth revisiting. I think we don't even know how bad it is right now because we're still in it, you know? Right, right, right. It's like being tired from having a baby, and the first week that you get decent sleep, you think, oh, I had no idea. I thought I was fine, you know? And then you realize that the world is just technicolor again, and you're fine, you know? And you didn't realize how tired you were because it just became your new normal. And and that's what I think we're in right now, where I'm just kind of like, you know, it's not that bad. And I think I have a, possibly I'm over-invested in the sentiment that it's not 
not that bad and that I'm so busy saying how not bad it is that I might be missing out a little bit (laughs) on how actually bad it is. I'm pretty tapped into how bad it is this week. I just I'm feeling really lonely. And, you know, New York City, you think of New York City where I live as being a very anonymous place. And it is in a way, but there's also like I have this sort of old fashioned village life where I, you know, bring the clothes to the dry cleaner and I have a chat with the woman behind the counter or how's your daughter, right? And then I go into the coffee shop and the butcher from across the street comes in. Like that life is possible in your neighborhood in New York and everybody walks everywhere. So you see people, we walk our kids to school. I would see the same parents after drop off every day. Right. It's busy town. You're like waving to the other cats and like the mouse, the worm is driving by in his sports car. In his apple car. Yeah, yeah. His apple car. You're exactly correct. Bananas gorilla is up to no good. Yeah. Like I do kind of have that except not right now. Everything's boarded up. No, everybody's like masked head down. I've had two experiences. One, my dad recently relocated to a new kind of community living situation. And he, I keep saying, have you met anyone? He's like, I can't meet anybody. I'm 10 feet away from the nearest person. We're both wearing masks. Like you don't make a connection with another person that way. I might like recognize that that general form is Al, (laughs) but we're not friends, you know, and it's right. You can't really connect with people in this situation. And I recently had an experience where I went to an, this was a couple of months ago now, but I went to an outdoor gathering and everyone's wearing masks and it was some people I know and some people I didn't, maybe 10 people. And someone said, oh, do you know Jason? And I'm like, how would I know if I know Jason? That's (laughs) a person in a hat, sunglasses and a face mask. Like that could literally be any human being. So I don't really know if I know him. Maybe we're best friends. I don't know. We're going to all end up getting like sleeves of tattoos so we can sort of recognize each other freely in the outside world, right? Like, oh, right, right. No, I do know her. She's sun, moon and stars on the bicep. Yeah, there are some upsides to it. Sometimes I'm like, it's kind of nice to be anonymous, you know, like to be able to move through the world unrecognized. But the problem is it is like we're all like paper bag head people just walking around and you really cannot connect with paper bag people. Yes. And I am kind of like I'm a little turtle shell in my real life. You know, I'm an introverted, but there's something about the fact that other people are saying like, oh, hi, how are you? Like that you can at least sort of dip into that when you walk down the street, you know, the people in your neighborhood? Oh, I think it's a real shot. It's a shot of like dopamine, basically. I was driving in my car the other day and it was a warm day, an unseasonably warm day in New York. And I kept recognizing people and I was like, oh, they're and then people weren't wearing masks because they were out walking outside far away from people. But I would drive by people and I thought, like, this is kind of a metaphor for my life. I'm stuck inside my (laughs) car recognizing people and kind of smiling at the thought of them, but not able to interact with them at all. Yeah. I'm in my hermetically sealed bubble. Yeah. And, you know, it's not easy, guys. It's not easy. And then on the flip side, all of us are sealed in with the same people all the time. With the same three-year-old and 17-month-old and you're seven months pregnant and your husband's pooping all the time and hiding. Yeah. (laughs) But being sealed in with um, a 12, 10, and eight-year-old, it's got some downsides as well. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And being yeah sealed in with teenagers who rarely leave their room except to bark at you and demand more food. Yeah. It's all we've all got our own kinds of lonely and it's all 
not great. Can I tell you a little bit about like the history of the village? Please do. Because I feel like it helps to understand like, yes, this is nuts and not how it's supposed to be. I did a little research. Robin Nelson, who's a professor of anthropology, explains that throughout like two million years of history, our primate ancestors and now humans, we have engaged in cooperative breeding with other parents. In other words, like you know, baboon parents share the job of raising young with other baboon mothers. And that sort of group parenting is something called alloparents, which I'd never heard that term. Have you heard that term? Never heard of it. I don't think as much about baboon parents as you do, though, Amy. So maybe it's not surprising (laughs) that I have not heard that term. But you have been an alloparent. An alloparent is any parental care that's provided by an individual towards young who is not their direct descendant. So like your fun aunt years, you were being an allo parent. Like it. Right. And so there are many kinds of allo parents, right, in our lives, like grandparents and your sister, how much she loves your kids and the babysitter. And even think about like, were you a mother's helper when you were like 14 years old? Did you do babysitting? I loved it. I did it all. Yeah. I didn't love it, but I did it for the cash. I loved it. For the sweet $2 an hour I was raking in. That's what I did it for. And what I learned about alloparents as I was looking at this is like it's something that gorillas say do, but only when they have extra food. Like the gorilla is not feeding the young that aren't her young unless she has extra. She's not carrying the other baby on her back unless she's not dealing with the baby right now. You see what I'm saying? Like they give their extra attention and time and food to other people's young and they raise in a village when things are good. And that's another reason things are hard right now, because... Your friend, like, let me come over. I'll bring you some soup. Take a nap. I know you're having a bad day, right? I know you're, like, throwing up every five minutes because you're pregnant. Whatever. The allo parents around us who would come in and pick up the slack for us because we're having a bad day are also having a bad day right now and can't come over and help out. They're having a bad year, too. (laughs) You know, like, it's not even like we're all having one bad day. Yes. It's lengthy. Yes. Wow, Amy, I was depressed when I got on this call, and now I'm like 10 times more depressed. Yes. (laughs) I like that your response is yes. Like, you're like, no, 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 I'm about to turn it around for you. Okay, so now I can go like deep nerdy with you, like why alloparenting, why raising other people's young actually helped us exist. Okay. So 1.8 million years ago, this is an anthropologist named Sarah Hardy, suggesting that as long as 2 million years ago that apes started doing this. And not every species does this, right? Many species don't, but certain species, and apes are the closest to us, obviously, do parent each other's young. And she suggests that started happening, and then that meant that babies could stay babies longer. Yes. Like little ones can stay a little longer when there's more than one person to take care of them. And that meant our brains could develop. So she says that this sort of group parenting thing literally enabled the human brain to become the human brain. Like it wouldn't have happened unless apes decided that they wanted to start helping take care of other people's babies. That came first, not the big brain. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I think as we move into our human counterparts, too, I mean, it just (laughs) gives you an opportunity. I think of all the hours I spent with my friend Alex out on this playground in Los Angeles and our, what do we have, four, five kids between us. It gives the kids an opportunity to socialize and it gives the moms an opportunity to, like, keep their mom brains activated. Ay, ay, ay. Yes. For moms, right. It helps us conserve energy. 
That helps us get more nourishment. It helps us get more sleep. It helps us remain safe from predators. Like talk about biological imperative. Like this is good, of course, for the kids, but it's definitely also good for the parent. Like, you know, we actually live longer when we do this than when we don't. Yes. So how do we create this sense of village in a time when we're cut off? Because if there's anything that reading up on this has taught me, it's like, yes, this isn't supposed to be this way. And it's not good for us for it to be this way. So we have to do something about it. I have developed the skill over my long lifetime, Amy, that one of the things I find the most helpful thing to say to moms who are struggling is you should be struggling. That sounds really, really hard. Right. That stinks. You are in over your head. And I find that people often are like, thank you so much for saying that. Like, they don't want someone to tell them like, buck up, it'll be fine. All moms go through this. They want someone to say, this is hard. Oh, I'm watching. Are you watching The Crown? Everyone's watching The Crown, Amy? Yes, I'm watching The Crown. It's Charles and Diana. We just watched an episode, but like their basic whole dynamic is like, I want someone to tell me that I'm good. (laughs) And they both have it and neither one of them will say it to each other. And that's what makes their marriage kind of tragic. And like the whole royal family is like, we do our job. We do not tell each other that we are good, you know? Yes. And it's like, could someone just parachute into Buckingham Palace and tell these people that they're all okay, you know? But I think that when you skip the step of saying like, this is hard for a reason and you have every right to be struggling right now, I think that is such a helpful thing to say. And so even though you're depressing the heck out of me, I thank you for saying it. And it has to come from one another because this article from the New York Times that started this whole idea, Jessica Gross said she started doing this research and about the village and writing about it because she read some article about how during the pandemic, people who didn't have kids were tired of picking up the slack for people who do during this crazy time. Because like, oh, please, like you're home with the baby, like you get to hang out all day. And it was, you know, a group of people who don't really get what it's like to be a parent during a pandemic saying like, come on, this is ridiculous. It's not that hard. And why should they get all the attention and support? Now, your heart is hard and people who don't have kids are struggling during the pandemic. I'm not saying that. But she was saying, if you don't get it, you don't get it. And so we need to be around other people who do. I see that. Yeah. Right. Only another parent or only somebody who has been somebody with two under two at home understands what it's like to be a parent right now and how hard it is. So we do need each other. Yeah. And also, for sure, people who don't have kids have it really, really hard as well. So it's sort of like, I think we always have the instinct to be like, you know, who does this person has? It's like, it's not the Olympics of who has it hard. It's everybody has it hard. It's not the Olympics, but right. Going to that well, you know, your coworker who doesn't have kids probably doesn't get it right now. And so maybe is a useful part of your virtual village and maybe isn't. It's not their fault. That's just the way it is. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the possibility of connection and where we're going to find it. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we 
say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, we're back. Who are we connecting with? Please tell me quickly. I'm only connecting with my husband and my three children. And they're like, leave me alone, weirdo. (laughs) Not only do we get judgment for saying that this is hard from people who say from the outside, Julia, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard. I'd love to hang around with the baby all day, you know, whatever. There's also judgment, I think, in where we as moms find connection. This was a scary mommy quote that I saw, like sort of all over the internet being shared over and over again. Not everyone has help from grandparents, family members, or friends, and not everyone has a village to turn to for support. Some of us find solace inside our phones, in virtual mom groups, or parenting pages. Not all support looks the same, and every bit counts. I felt like I needed to read that. True that. Right? Just look at our Facebook group. (laughs) Yes. Everyone's helping each other out. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're preaching to the choir, right? But that Facebook group is, it's a safe space. And people who are spending more time on Facebook right now need to spend more time on Facebook right now. They're not neglecting their children. They're drawing like mental health support. Yeah. I think this is something that used to be more of an issue than it maybe is now that I feel like people understand a little bit more that like the virtual world exists to support people. And there are people, Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's easier. Let me posit this aloud, Amy. Do you think it's easier for people who were relying more on virtual help beforehand? Could be. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I have virtual support and I have uh, in-person support. I feel, I've said this before and it may be wrong. I feel that this is extremely hard on me mentally because I am a person who is like, I like connecting with strangers all day. Yes. That's my, whatever. It fills my love tank. You know, I like to talk to the guy at the grocery store. I like to talk to the taxi driver. I like to talk to like the deli guy when I'm getting my sandwich. I like to go through the world interacting with strangers. It gives me a great amount of, I don't know, happiness. I have watched this happen. Like, I have watched you have a conversation with a guy behind the counter at a CVS in New Orleans. And like, in 15 seconds, you were having a deep, connected conversation 
with their spirit. Like you just have an ability, yes, to draw people out and find their story that I love to be around because I'm not that person. And when I spend time with you, yeah, it's sort of like you're reminded every time, like everybody has a story. Everybody, the person you're sitting next to on the train. And, and I met my spouse on a bus, like my spouse and that like <laughs> strike up a conversation. I know that it can work, but I tend not to move through the world that way. But you do. But I don't find that same satisfaction virtual. I don't. I have trouble replacing that even. No, I like reading Facebook my meme is the dog who's like looking at the fence at the two other dogs fighting and being like, I can't remember what it says, but the joke is basically like, it's me just watching other people interact online. Like, that's how I feel online, like a lurker. I feel like I don't, I'm not as connected with other people online, but I'd like to watch other people have I don't know, fights, discussions, whatever, but I don't find myself interacting that way in a satisfying way. The first time I found like an online virtual community that was a support when was when I was uh, trying to get pregnant with my first child who's now almost 18 but at the time you know seemed like was something that might never happen for me I mean I you know I went there and I think we all do when your body sort of betrays you and like the thing that's supposed to be the easiest thing and the most natural thing in the world is just not happening for you. I found a group of women and this was 18 years ago. So there was no Facebook yet. I'm that old. But there was like a bulletin board, they called it like an online bulletin board. And I found a group of women there, one of whom I still have a, a real life friendship with all these years later. But that connection got me through. And all of us knew like when your next you know, injection date was and what were your numbers looking like today? And like they wanted to drill down and it was a completely supportive group and also a hard group because somebody would graduate, so to speak, and leave. Right. And that was that gave you hope, like somebody's going to leave and not be in this group anymore. But it was also weird when somebody left. But that totally got me through. And you have to put up with when you have a meaningful like group like that, the sort of side eye from the rest of the world that that's stupid or not real or a waste of time or worse, like weird you know, creepy. But for me, it was really useful. Yeah, it's funny. I know so many people who have this, whether it's like around specific needs of their kids or infertility boards or, you know, exercise boards, people who have like really, really strong connections with people online. But I just I don't happen to have that. Yeah, like even like the Peloton moms who have like their favorite like Team Cody and you always take Cody's rides or whatever. These are some of them are lifelines and some of them are just like a little silly virtual club. But I feel like I've spent a little time feeling bad about those and I'm not going to anymore because they're great. They're so helpful right now. Oh, I wouldn't waste one second of energy feeling bad about it. I just wish I could find that for myself in a way that, you know, because I am, I'm super, you know, lonely and disconnected, but I enjoy interacting with people online, but I, it doesn't feed any need for some reason in me. I don't know. Maybe I need to dial into it a little bit more. So what about group texts? You and I are on one group text I can think of. Do you have group texts that are keeping you going right now? I have a bunch of group texts. Group text has definitely become a thing that has happened. Texting in general has been really good for me. I do like the texting. Yeah. Both group texts and just texting. I have one friend who I just, you know, every couple of weeks I'm like, hey, what's up? And then we just have like a 30 minute funny back and forth about the world. And like, she's incredibly funny and we just make stupid jokes. <laughs> and it always makes that does brighten my day. <laughs> I do like that. And then I'm on like family group text. I'm on we're on a group text together with smart, funny women. I mean, 
It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. I don't know. I guess I'm just looking to make it actually better. And like, I think I have to stop treating it like a scale. Like, oh, this thing will make it fine that I'm living in isolation during a global pandemic. Like that, I have to stop trying to weigh them out. Like, yes, group texts are nice. Do they solve the fact that I haven't seen, you know, my in-laws in a year? No. So like, you're not going to get there. Lynn Stager Strong wrote an article for Time Magazine about women in group texts right now during a pandemic. And she argues that they're a, a valuable lifeline. And it's funny, like I have one that I kind of, you know, I you know, I guess I have two. I have two that I dabble in. And I haven't thought to myself, like, I'm going to invest in this and create this as a lifeline. But she argues that they're totally crucial. And she says, and it is, it's the group text. It's not the Zoom call. It's just the group text because she says it's low impact and it's your village. That's it. Right. She says you can send a missive to the group. You're not placing pressure on a single friend who might not be able to deal with it right now because she has her own stuff going on. You send it to the group and somebody will be able to help you. And if you see a text that comes in and it feels heavy and you have your own stuff right now, you don't have to you know, rush to the scene of the fire because somebody else will be able to do it. And it's just like, it's not too heavy when it's being sent to six people at once instead of one person at a time. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I hadn't thought of it that way before. I think that's right. And you have to take group texts in that spirit because the flip side of this is the meme that is, I've never been a hostage, but I have been on a group text. And like, <laughs> yes, you can sometimes be like, I'm trapped in a conversation with 12 other people. But I mean, it's pretty low impact to even be on the receiving end. You can just be like, okay, mute. You know, sometimes I get home and I have 27 texts and it's like two people on a group text chatting with each other. And I feel like we've come to accept group texting. Like, I feel like back in the day, I might have been like, oh, I've been assaulted by 27 texts, but it's fine. You can just move on with your day, actually. I never really thought of them that way. Like somebody said a long time ago about social media that you have to think of it more like a stream. Like when I first got on Facebook, I felt like I had to read everything my friends had put on Facebook and like go back to where I was starting over. You know what I mean? Like go back into you. Right, right. You're well, that's very you. You're like, I'm going to get an A plus on Facebook. I'm going to be good at Facebook. And now, of course, they've changed the algorithm. So you tend to see the same three things you saw yesterday when you sign on. I don't know why they did that, but you can't be done. And Twitter was always that way. Like there's always more. And so a sort of social media manager said, and I thought it was really wise that it's like a stream. You dip your hand in when you want to, and then take, you don't have to keep up with it. It's just there for you to enjoy, but you control. And so I think I've thought of group texts also as this thing that like if somebody writes, you have to respond, you have to give it a little heart sign, you have to do this. And it, it just feels like something else I need to do before I go to bed. I need to brush my teeth and I need to make sure that I've liked the three things. But you don't. And I would probably use it better and more wisely and more often if you feel like it's okay to be like, hello, is anybody up? Like, right, that somebody's going to answer and it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't require everybody. It's just like parenting as a team, right? It's the parenting as a team thing we were talking about, except it's with our friends. We don't all have to be 100% committed to answering this person's, you know, joke or cry for help at the same time. It's okay. We're in a group. Well, it also reminds me of what Allie Wentworth was saying when she was on the podcast, which is just like using humor in all things. And I know my people who I can text and just be like, I'm in hell. And they'll just send me like bad gifts of people on fire. And (laughs) it doesn't solve anything, but it does lighten my load just a hair that day. And that might be all that's really needed. And like, we 
have a family. We used to have much more because unfortunately the Giants are so bad and we've all kind of stopped watching football. But we used to have a Sunday Giants game text thread that was the whole family just writing jokes about how bad the Giants were or whatever. (laughs) And it just was a thing that happened on Sundays. And it was kind of it was fun. And I think things like that can be the key to me is that it's less heavy than the Zoom because we do a lot of family Zooming. But the family text thread is a little bit lighter. And I'm going to veer off. May I veer for a moment, Amy? I know you've done a lot of research, but I'm going to veer for a second with an idea. Please. This is an idea that my husband's family had, and I like it a lot. The Zoom drop-by window, as opposed to like sit down and we're all family Zooming. So like we did this on Thanksgiving, right? It's like, it's just three hours. And if you're cooking or you happen to be doing, you could drop by the Zoom. There's 14 people on it. And maybe you go and nobody's there, but maybe you go and one other person's there, but you're doing other things. It's a little bit less heavy than the full Zoom. Does it make sense? Yes. The Zoom three hour window, because I think the problem of the family Zoom is my family. We all try to talk at once. Then everyone gets like, I was trying to say something (laughs) or we have nothing to say. And like the Zoom family drop by window. I'm kind of feeling it. Okay, I like that, too. Yeah. I mean, give it a swing. It worked for uh, Thanksgiving's easier because everybody's busy. They're cooking and they're making cocktails. And so it's like, oh, how's your turkey coming out? There's stuff to talk about. So. I don't know if it'll work as well with like, you know, in total absence of that. But I think it's a a nice option that's not let's all sit here for one hour and feel like we're trapped looking at our own dopey faces. We've talked before about how the key to a successful Zoom for our kids or with our college roommates is a secondary activity. Right. Is the virtual escape room or grandma's going to read you this bedtime story over Zoom that when we just kind of sit there and look at each other and like, okay, I ran a eight minute mile today. Like, I don't know. It's just a weird you feel like it's weirdly formal and you have sort of newsy updates and we don't have newsy updates. We're all stuck home waiting for spring, right? It takes the pressure off. Amy, winter hasn't even started yet, (laughs) but I like that you're waiting for spring. You're like, we're waiting for spring. Oh, yes. I'm already looking forward to April. Getting a head start on waiting for spring, Amy. All right, we'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches, I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to staying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. And now, home care tips without kids and with kids from the What Fresh Help podcast. Without kids, decorative baskets can add a cheerful accent to any living space. With kids, decorative baskets are literally your only hope of ever seeing your living room floor again. Just keep buying those suckers. Without kids, seat cushions at a comfortable, and festive touch around the dining room table. With kids. Seat cushions are definitely where your kids are hiding their unwanted vegetables. You need to check those things after every meal. Without kids. The principles of Feng Shui suggest that placing a plant in the corner of a room can serve to draw in the positive energy. With kids. The way potty training's been going suggests that that puddle in the corner, it's definitely pee. Without kids, consider a white sofa for a clean, elegant addition to your living room with kids. Literally, never consider a white sofa. Seriously, if you have to think, are the kids old enough for a white sofa? Then guess what? They're not. Without kids, framed prints are great for adding that pop of color to any room with kids. Oh, you want a pop of color? Well, it's your lucky day. Your two-year-old found a Sharpie. So I wanted to give you one more quote from this Time magazine article that Lynn Stiger Strong wrote about group texts for women right now and how we're going to save each other. She says, we are scared and we are exhausted and we're often by ourselves. We know better than to complain too much because no one besides the women like us seem to want to hear it. And that's why I think it's worth investing in. Like our family Zoom village is nice, but having the village of moms who are struggling is really crucial. Yeah, and I just think the only thing that we need to step way back from is the idea that any of us are going to save each other. Like, I think I would love to do a podcast. It's like, here's how to solve this. But we are all, I mean, 
I feel like Amy and I, we got on today and normally one of us is in a good mood. <laughs> like one of us is struggling and the other is like, <laughs> all right, okay, yeah, that sounds like it's hard. All right, let's go. We're both miserable today. Like we're just at a point of this where like the darkness has come, the holidays are here, we're eating turkey alone in a closet. It's not fun, you know? And so I think that we're not here to offer any, we're not here to depress you, which we may well be doing, but we should just play hella darkness, my old friend, for the rest of the episode and call it a day. <laughs> just be like, guys, I'm sorry, this stinks. But I do think we should take off of ourselves the idea that we're supposed to make the holidays just like any other holiday and just as good. And it's different. I mean, we, I think, are going to have a fun holiday season in its own dopey way. I went to the... I had to go and get a computer repaired the other day and it led me into a mall and I was like, I couldn't believe how many people were still at the mall, but it's fine, whatever. But like, I was like, oh, and then there was the mall Santa in the mall with a mask on. What? And then the kids were standing six feet in front of Santa and Santa was just hanging out in the background. And I was like, I think we have to call some things. I think we have to just be like, we can't make everything the same. It's okay. It's okay to not have a we mall can skip Santa. This. We can skip this, guys. It's mm-hmm. at a certain point, not skipping it becomes more depressing than skipping it, you know? And I mean, God bless you if you want to get your picture taken with the mall Santa from six feet away. But I do think... The idea that we're all supposed to do the pandemic and do it like Donna Reed twirling around in the kitchen and making everything okay is the number one thing we should let go of. Well, that's interesting. There's a book called The Way We Never Were, American Families and the Nostalgia Trap. It was written back in the 90s by somebody named Stephanie Kuntz. But her point of view is because we also can get trapped in thinking like that the Donna Reed thing. I mean, talk about all deluxe alerts. That was a, a sitcom for the 50s that showed a, you know, a happy housewife with her apron on greeting her husband at the door when he came home from work that we kind of think like, well, it's always been that way. Right. And I should be happy doing this because this is always how it's been and stephanie Kuntz really carefully unpacks in this book like that's not true it was never that way until post-world war ii that this idea that you lived alone and your primary job was to take care of the house and the kids and like live by yourself and vacuum that was a construct of the 20th century it was never supposed to be that way so it's okay that that feels lonely to you Uh, it's totally okay and it's especially okay to feel that way in these remarkable circumstances let us pray once in a lifetime circumstances you know yes and i think the idea i had my kids we went out we're fostering dogs as people know so we have a foster dog with us this week and so one of the good things about having the foster dog is that i make the kids go out in the woods on a long walk with the dog and normally they are very wood resistant but i'm like if you want to get another dog we have to take the dog out walking and we went out into the woods yesterday and my two boys spent the entire time playing this game where one of them would run ahead and then like Tigger would pounce out on the other one and they would kick and punch each other. It was like a fighting game. As we know, my kid's favorite game is fight. (laughs) But I was kind of like, even in the woods, even walking the dog, they have to do this. And then at bedtime, they were like, today was such a fun day. We had the best time in the woods fighting with each other. Like they thought that game was hilarious and great. And so I think the only thing I can put in people's path at this time is that that your kids will probably think it's hilarious and great 
whatever you end up doing because they're kids, you know, and they'll find fun in it. And so it's not your job to cruise direct. It may be your job to just get them out into the woods, to just change their location every once in a while, to try to keep something going that they can participate in. But they're going to remember fighting in the woods. (laughs) They're not going to remember that it wasn't perfect. And I think that's where we fall down sometimes is this idea that like, Oh, it has to be good. Right. It doesn't have to be anything. It just has to be you all together and alive. I mean, it's another benefit, it occurs to me, of sort of village parent living that we're missing out on right now. We had Meredith Masony on the show last month, and she was talking about how when it comes to like PTA stuff, she's right. I'm the napkin mom, she said. Like, I bring napkins. That's what I'm good at. I don't do baked goods. I'm not going to. And you're like, I will dress up like you know, a potato for vegetable week, but I don't want to be in charge of the spreadsheet. Like we all have different gifts that we bring to the table. And when we're parenting in a village, the school play gets done because, you know, this mom's good at this and this dad is good at that. But now we're stuck at home with our kids and maybe we're a making spirits bright cruise director kind of mom and maybe we're not. Right. And but we all feel like we're supposed to be all the moms right now instead of just the kind of mom we're good at, which in normal times is enough to get us through because there's other moms around. Well, and two things about that. The first is that one thing that has been good for me in the pandemic is the feeling of like the race is not on right now. Yeah, because I do think I had an internal story that was I am kind of laid back. I'm not a super participator. My kids aren't in any sports. They don't play sports. They don't do a ton of after school activities. That's kind of how I was raised. And I've always had this feeling of it's fine. Like I don't have to do that stuff. But I always have had the hum of like looking at Facebook and thinking, oh, no, like all the other kids are doing special things and my kids are just sitting around at home kicking each other, which is what they like to do. That has been good for me. Like feeling like everyone's paused right now does it helps me to a certain degree. And so that I'm leaning into not having the craziness around the holidays. We do a ton of traveling and then it's like, who's shipping what gifts to who? We're kind of off the track this year. That is kind of relaxing. So I'm trying to kind of enjoy that, you know? And then the other thing is that I think that this idea of virtual community is you have to listen to your needs a little bit. So I have a friend who has a beautiful outdoor fireplace and she's put some heaters around and it's pretty comfortable. Like we can sit out there if it's 35 degrees outside. And so once a week she has, you know, it's a standing kind of like stop by if you want. Oh, that sounds so heavenly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty heavenly. And then probably everybody else doesn't have it. But I have another friend who has a yard. She needed help with her dog the other day and we happened to be free. And I was like, my kids would love to come to your yard and play with your dog. That would be their best day. And they have a swing and they just, my kids were like in love with their yard. It's all the same stuff we have in our yard, but it was just a different yard, you know? It's just somebody else's yard. Exactly. And I was like, we should make a spreadsheet and like just switch yards every weekend, you know? But of course I was like, I don't want to take that on. But anyway, I think that you should find times and like both of us today are having bad days right like I was just thinking this morning even before we started talking like I should probably find something today to just call a friend get out for a walk in the woods like I think you don't have the incoming stream of socializing so you do have to make more of an active effort to get out so like enjoy what you're not having to deal with but then 
find things for myself. I have a friend who I walk with and I'll call her today and say like, hey, let's get out for half an hour. Sometimes if we're lazy, we walk around the parking lot in town. You know, we both wear masks and we walk six feet apart, but we just walk around the parking lot and talk. And then if it's a little nicer, whatever, we get out into the woods and it's cold and miserable here and I don't want to do it, but I have to make opportunities because it feels like another chore, but it's like exercise. It's like you really got to do it. It feels much better when you do it. That's exactly it. Like, yeah, when I'm having a bad day, you know, I'm introverted and I, in normal times, have friends who are connectors and I cling to them because the kind of friend who's like, oh, yeah, my yard. Yeah, we have these great heat lamps and everybody just come over whenever. Like, you need that person in your life. If you are not that person, find that person and become good friends with that person. And that's worked for me in regular times. But now... I need that person and that person has struggles of her own. She's not having us over because her mom's sick. You know what I'm saying? And so I do have to create those things for myself and I'm not particularly good at it. And when you are feeling down because you're struggling, it's the time when you're least likely to call up your old chum from middle school, right? And but we need to. And then maybe that's why that group text is okay. It's kind of like self-care, that thing that that person said to me that has stayed with me. Like you can't just double meditate on a bad day you have to meditate every day or do yoga or breathe deeply or drink tea or whatever it is you do that's self-care you do it all the time so it's there when you need it so you know you have your group text practice you have your facebook groups you love you have your you know friend who you have enough of a relationship that you can call and talk for 45 seconds it doesn't have to be half an hour or nothing have those things in place before you need them. And I think it falls into a very like tweet, tweet cliche, right? Which is like, you know, make yourself happy or you can't make anyone happy, blah, blah, blah. But I do think this is a time to focus on yourself, you know, to really say this is as hard as I think it is. <laughs> they said so. And Margaret and Amy have acknowledged for me that this is as hard as I think it is. They told me I could do this. And therefore, I find my husband and I watch like an hour of TV at the end of the day, cuddled in bed. It's cold here. So it's like the one time I know I'm going to be perfectly warm. The kids are in bed. And I find at about five o'clock, I start thinking about it. Like, oh, we're going to be in bed watching our show. You know, whatever happiness you have, I decided for ourselves this year that I have always been a bath person. I love baths. And this year, because the holidays are a mess and Christmas, I'm like, I don't want anything. I don't want to give the great, you know, exchange of garbage. And we're going to try. We haven't figured it out yet to pool all of our resources this holiday and find some sort of big thing of hot water, like whether that's putting in one nice bathtub in the house or maybe putting a hot tub outside <laughs> that like, I love it. That's our focus this year. Like I know I am happiest when I am in a tub of hot water. And so however we can make that happen, but that's me saying to myself, how am I going to do this? And I realized that's like probably for us a couple of thousand dollars investment. And like, you know, I don't want anyone listening to be like, just spend thousands of dollars and make yourself happy. But I do think the process of saying like, what is the happiness I can claim for myself this year in these desperate situations and trying to find that. And sometimes for me, that's just, I'm going to Danish baby, wrap up, sit by myself outside with a cup of hot tea for one hour and no one is allowed to talk to me, whatever it is. But that all stems from putting my happiness at the center of my focus, which is something I think we're generally not that great at. 
whatever it is, you don't apologize for what it looks like, right? I'm going to take an hour off and go sit outside and you can be in charge of the kids for a while or you're taking a long bath or you're on Facebook rather more than your partner thinks is necessary. You know, it doesn't matter whatever you're using to get by right now, if it's centered in self-care and happiness and other people when that's possible, then don't apologize for what that looks like because you need it. And I feel like it veered a little bit off, Amy, what we started to talk about. We're doing this alone. But I think it is. I think for me, I have finally discovered that like there's no amount of Marco Polo house party Zoom thing that is filling the need that I have to be connected with people. And so instead, I'm kind of turning my attention to like radical (laughs) self-care because I know I think we're going to be out of this by, you know, next year. I'm hoping early next year. But, you know, until then, I don't think I can zoom my way out of this. I think I have to just put myself in a tub of hot water and take really good care of myself. I'm going to do the slightly other thing. I'm pretty good at the, you know, cuddle up and be alone. And I'm going to invest a little more in the friends and the group text. I love the idea of the group text being low impact and, you know, get a group of, or, or the walk by zoom while you're cooking, as you suggested, there are maybe sort of low demand the chat room is open ways to stay in touch with people right now that will make this be a little easier just for this little while we have left to go. I love my big takeaway on that is low impact that it doesn't always because I feel like it's like, oh, am I going to organize another Zoom for the kids I went to camp with in 1987? Like that doesn't sound appealing to me, but like finding the low impact ways to connect seems really helpful. We solved it. Solved it. We totally 1% solved it. You should definitely be connecting with us, guys. And you know how to do that. Come to facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast and join our community. It's very low impact. Everyone's very loving. Stay loving. Don't come if you're not going to be loving. Just be loving. All your social media. If you're an Instagram person, a Twitter person, a TikTok person, a Pinterest person, we're on all the things. Come find us. We are on all the things, guys, and we look forward to seeing you there. And until then, stay well, guys. Hang in there. Talk to you next time. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.